0: This episode is sponsored by CoachSnap. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform to help you build your coaching business? Then you need CoachSnap. It allows you to schedule appointments, collect payments, train, and support all of your clients' needs. Health, fitness, hockey, football, or even life coaches can use CoachSnap. It's the business platform that will help you be the best coach you can be. Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week, my guest is Kendra Allen. She is the woman behind the Instagram account, online course, and blog called Breakup Bestie. After going through a series of unhealthy relationships in her early 20s, including narcissism, abuse, and emotionally unavailable men, (laughs) Kendra began gathering tools and working on herself to prevent that from happening again. Around the same time, Kendra got sober at 21 years old, and a few years into that, she experienced the breakup that brought her to her knees, the kind where you feel like you might actually be dying. Without having alcohol to take the edge off, she really dove into what it takes to get through a breakup with grace, with growth, and learned how to come out the other side a better person. After seeing a huge gap in breakup advice online, Kendra decided to launch the Breakup Bestie. The same year she got married to the love of her life more than anything, she loves empowering women to see a breakup not as an end, but as a beginning of a beautiful path to learn about yourself and get in touch with what you really want out of a relationship. Everybody, please welcome Kendra.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here too, because we are in studio. Uh,
0: I know she's my second guest in studio. So let's talk about how we met Kendra. It's pretty crazy because just recently, the movie theaters opened up down here in South Orange County. And my husband and I, we went to the movies. But it was the same week that they opened up restaurants. So we were like, yay, we can go to a restaurant afterwards. So we tried to find a restaurant. We couldn't find one in Laguna Hills. So we were just driving from restaurant to restaurant to find a place to eat. And we found this, like, super bouge restaurant in Dana Point. We were wearing, like, just... like. (laughs) like workout clothes. And I mean, this restaurant was really nice. And we're sitting there and I'm like, God, I hope nobody recognizes us because we're in workout clothes. And all of a sudden, somebody's like, Are you Travis from Kajabi? (laughs) And I was like, Oh, God, here we go. And Kendra came up because she was so excited to meet the co founder of Kajabi because she has her breakup bestie course on Kajabi. So I love that. But once we got to talking, I realized she needs to be on the podcast. So I'm so happy that you're
1: here. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. And it was such a cool happenstance meeting. So I was with my husband and his best friend who introduced us and... My husband's best friend knew Travis from 10, I think they showed us a photo like 10 years ago. And so when he said, oh, that's him from Kajabi, I was like, I want to go meet him. and
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's really crazy how things work, but I, I never believe that. In, you know, happenstance, I believe that coincidences are whispers from the world and they're pushing you. So I'm so glad that you're here. So let's talk about your journey because I'm so excited. As I'm reading your bio, I'm like, you are like my soul sister. Seriously, everything that you're talking about, I have been through and I know so many women who are listening right now have experienced that breakup where it does feel like you're dying. So
1: let's start from the beginning. Yeah. So I would say, you know, growing up, I had a super normal childhood. My parents just celebrated 40 years married. You know, I grew up with, you know, very loved, very cared for, never had to want for anything. So really just this picture perfect childhood. But I did always grow up with anxiety it's something i still struggle with today so that was the only thing you know that i was dealing with from a young age and i'd say you know things started changing for me at about 15 when i first tried alcohol and i remember the first time i tried it it was almost like i had this like negative broken record playing in my head which i believe is anxiety and it was almost like alcohol was the thing that like i remember feeling like i was all tensed up and then all of a sudden i was like ah, like i can breathe So it was this thing that took away this feeling that I constantly lived with and you tried getting rid of it in other ways. So I tried alcohol for the first time at 15. And then when I was 17, I was at a party, a Halloween party. And long story short, I ended up being sexually assaulted at 17, which I didn't actually deal with for a very long time. I kept it my little secret for a very long time. And, you know, now looking back right after that was when, you know, they talk about with alcoholism that you cross this invisible line. And once you cross the line, you can't really go back. And I believe that right after that sexual assault is when I crossed the line into being an alcoholic, which being 17 and an alcoholic, you know, I had people confront me about my drinking problems, but I always thought I'm 17. I'm in high school, like I'm getting good grades you know, I'm holding my life together well. So I thought there's no way that I could have this problem. But I, you know, was experiencing constant blackouts, really, you know, demoralizing things happening, super embarrassing. I, you know, friends started dropping off and all of these negative consequences started happening, hospitalizations, I crashed a car, but the whole time I just couldn't see it. it. It felt like something that just kids did. So I ended up, you know, I got into like all through this time, I'm still getting really good grades, I get into my dream college, everything seems great. And then all of a sudden, I met him, which, you know, I feel like so many stories start with and then I met him. So when I was 18, I started dating a guy that was 12 years older than me. So 12,
0: 12 years, years older than you? Yes. How did you meet him? Oh, such, a,
1: such a funny story, but I struggled with weight in high school. And I, you know, my mom asked if I wanted help with weight loss because she saw that I was kind of trying to do it myself. And she said, if you want help, like, you know, we can help you out. So she signed me up for Jenny Craig. And if when you're under 18... Doing Jenny Craig, you have to work with a counselor, like someone there. So he was my Jenny Craig counselor. No (laughs) way. So, you know, we developed this relationship that I can look back now and be like, oh my gosh, that was so inappropriate. You know, absolutely. He was grooming you. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. So I graduated high school, and that summer we got serious. And, you know, then all of the grooming, manipulation, and ended up being a very emotionally abusive, occasional physical abusive relationship. And, you know, all the telltale signs. He isolated me from my friends and family at one point. And all this time too, I'm still struggling with my drinking problem. And so he, one night I got drunk and I told my friends that he had like thrown me And his response was, you're going to delete your Facebook, you're going to delete your social media and change your phone number. And I felt he made me feel so poorly that I hurt him by telling people that I felt like I had to do whatever I could, you know, gaslighting you. Exactly. Gaslighting me. And I, you know, another telltale sign is like the first six months were amazing. Like, Love bombing for sure. I heard you mention that in another episode. It's like, it's so true. And, you know, being 18 and
0: And you're struggling with your weight, you're insecure, you have all this anxiety, you're drinking, and someone all of a sudden is now paying attention to you and is making you feel loved. And so obviously, it's I mean, people don't understand. When you get into an abusive relationship, you're not going in because you're like, hey, I'm, I'm so broken. No, it's because all of a sudden, someone is paying attention to you. And it could happen at any age, at any age. I've, I've heard so many stories of women at 50, 60, getting trapped by catfishers, or even 13, 12-year-olds who have been, you know, isolated by their parents or their parents are just working too much that they're not paying that much attention. So here comes this man And he's going to pour all this like love bomb on you and you fall for it.
1: Yeah. And not to mention, you know, in high school, I, you know, I was, I had, I had alcoholism. So I was doing all these things. And, you know, one thing I like to point out because I didn't know this, but after experiencing a sexual assault, some women like go away from men and they like don't want to engage in any more sexual activity. And then some women turn the other way and they go, they become super promiscuous which was my story. And so in the beginning of our relationship, he made me feel so safe. And I told him all of this stuff, all these things that I had done. And then after he switched, he used that as fuel against me. So, you know, he would call me super, super mean names and took all of my vulnerability and my weakness and started using it against me. Oh, God. So yeah, I'm struggling with alcoholism. I'm in this relationship. I'm completely isolated. The only person that I'm still in touch with are my parents because he knew that that's where money was coming from. So he wanted me to keep some kind of a a line out to them. But for the most part, like dropped all of my high school best friends. There was like a rumor that I had moved and got pregnant and was like, there was all these rumors going around because I literally just dropped off the face of the earth one day. So I stayed in that relationship for three years. So from like right at 18 to like right before I turned 21. And so many horrendous things happened. Like, and I always say I had really low self-esteem, but it's, and then I had someone on the outside affirming what I felt like about myself on the inside. So it just continued to make me feel lower and lower and lower.
0: That's a really good description. Having someone on the outside affirming everything that you're already telling yourself on the inside. Exactly. And so when someone has and knows that they have that power, it's really easy for them to manipulate you and to control you.
1: Yeah. So he really held the key to my self-esteem, my ability to feel okay. And not to mention, you know, I said I had gotten into my dream school, which was in LA. And I went to that school, but I didn't go to that school. I have no friends from college because I spent all of my time with this person. Like I had a dorm room my first year, but he didn't trust me to be in the dorms. So, you know, I spent one night in my dorm and, you know, it's like I lost my college experience completely.
0: And throughout your entire three year relationship, your parents didn't at one point say this might be a little bit unhealthy or maybe has way too much control or. Or was that conversation even had?
1: I don't remember it actually being had, but I put on a really good front. They didn't really know what was going on. And so he was also older than me. And so, so much of what he said, I just thought I didn't know. It was my first serious relationship. So I'm like, okay, I guess this is how relationships just are. Where he would say you know, you're not supposed to talk about your relationship with other people. That's something that's sacred, that's secret between us. And now I know it's like, my husband knows that if anything happens between us, like my 10 friends know, like <laughs> within 20 minutes. So they didn't really know that much. Like it came out afterwards that there was quite a bit of concern, but I think they think they knew that I was so deep into it that if they said something, I would have pushed them away.
0: And that's another big sign for you to recognize is if you can't talk about your relationship with the people that you love and you're hiding something or you're not being completely 100% honest, then there is a problem. And for me, like I went through the same thing as I'm listening to your story, you know, my one of my first ex-boyfriends that was abusive, I totally made him seem like he was the best thing since sliced bread in front of my sisters. And my brother and I told all my friends how wonderful he was because nobody knew what was happening behind closed doors. So it's a huge sign, red flag, to know that if you are biting your tongue before you're having a conversation with the people that you love, maybe there is something wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I just lived this giant secret for like three years. And then luckily, you know, it's so funny because now looking back, I can see so many blessings of both of my vices at Mm -hmm. that time. So for example, what finally got me to end the relationship was I was on a family vacation. I have a big family. I have four brothers, three sister-in-laws, nieces and nephews. I was on this family vacation and my ex had gone to bed and I was up drinking with my family and I, you know, overdrank, which happened a lot. And in a blackout, I told them everything. Wow. I told them everything. <sighs> and I woke up the next morning and I was like, those words can't unleave my mouth. It was, fi- you know, I. I, it was, it's very blurry, the memory of it, but I have a memory of me saying it out loud. And it was the first time I had said it out loud. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, this, this has to end. And then on the flip side of that, the one good thing about that relationship with my ex, he was very controlling, and he would control my drinking. So it was kind of, you know, there was some good things that came out of that, because who knows what would have happened if I would have continued drinking heavily throughout those three years that we were together. But when we broke up, you know, I was about to turn 21. I was single for the first time since high school. And so I, you know, moved to a different city and started making new friends, going out to bars. And, and then my drinking took off again. It's like, I, you know, if there's an underlying thing, like nothing's going to solve it in the long term. So
0: was he okay with the breakup? Like,
1: was it an easy breakup or? Well, this is a bit of a side story, but we broke up. And then we broke up when I was on this family vacation in Wisconsin. We flew home. We were still living together. And then three days after the breakup, he got hit by a car. (gasps) I mean, he was not okay, but he is alive. And so, you know, I couldn't leave. He was in a wheelchair. So I ended up staying with him for about five months with us broken up. So the breakup was pretty tough.
0: Because you have all these emotions. Here you are. You want to let go of this narcissistic man, but yet you're feeling like, I can't leave him because I would look like a jerk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up, you know, living with him for another five months before we officially broke up. And then I stayed friends with him for another year because he just still had this hold on me. If he needed money, I would always give him money. There was a lot of financial, I don't know if financial abuse is a term, but like he took a lot of not money from fly, me. We're
0: making it one today. You hear it here first on the Fearless Female podcast. It actually is a thing, that financial like hold that they have on you. Whether it could be like, I'm not going to give you any money or I'm going to abuse the money that you have. My ex-boyfriend took all my credit cards and like bought himself and his friends everything he wanted and gave me one dollars payment when we broke up.
1: Yes, no, same. I got we got a car in his name that he just stopped making payments on, but it was my credit. So I couldn't just let it go. So there was, you know, all of these things. And I I stayed, you know, somewhat friends with him for a year when I was kind of out doing my thing, you know, out drinking, finishing school. And, you know, consequences started happening all over again, you know, blackouts and getting injured and all the demoral like demoralizing things happening again. So the change, like the biggest change that happened is I ended up moving to downtown Huntington Beach, which for those of you that don't know, it is a big party area.
0: Yes, I used to live there.
1: <laughs> and I lived a two minute walk from the bars. Wow. Yeah. For an
0: alcoholic, that's the wrong place to live.
1: A 21 year old alcoholic lived there alone. I, you know, really started going hard with this stuff. And I'm having people confront me, I'm having friends say, like, I'm not comfortable drinking with you anymore. So I'm having all of these things happen. And then, you know, what's so interesting is, you know, I mentioned I had hospitalizations, crashed cars, all of these horrendous things happening. But what finally got me sober was, I went to the bars with some friends during the day to watch playoffs for the NFL. And I woke up the next morning at my parents house. What? Yeah. So my one of my older brother's lived in Huntington Beach. His best friend was on a date and saw me literally passed out at a bar. So he called my brother. Where were your friends? That's the thing. It's like I didn't really I had like the friends I'd see at a bar, but like I didn't really have any close relationships because it was was I was not a fun person to go out with because I'd pass out you know, and people had called my brother before when I was out of control and my brother would normally bring me home. But for this day, he brought me to my parents' house, which ended up being such a gift because I woke up the next morning. So I was at my parents' house, knew that, you know, I was, they were going to have a talk with me and I was going to have to try to defend myself. And I tried to rationalize my drinking in any way, shape or form. I would blame it on getting over this abusive relationship or the stress from school. And I was lying there that morning trying to figure out like, what's going to be my excuse today? And I was like, blank. I couldn't think of anything. I could not think of a reason. I was like, because you've used them all. I've used them all. And from like, I ate too much. I didn't eat enough. Just anything to not place the blame on the drinking. So my mom walked in and I finally said, I need help. And, you know, we both started crying. She said, I know. And this was about a week before my last semester in college. So I enrolled in a 90-day outpatient program and, you know, during my last semester at school and just like started figuring out like what sobriety was going to look like. I just, I had no idea. I didn't think sober people got, or young people got sober. I didn't know what life would look like without alcohol. I thought like my life's over, fun's (laughs) done. And, you know, it was honestly like that was the turning point, best decision of my entire life. I'll have eight years of sobriety in January. Congratulations. Eight
0: years. Wow.
1: And I really thought that I would, you know, take a break and be able to go back to it. But now I've, you know, come to realize a couple things. One, I don't really think I could ever drink again. Like I believe that I have like a disease. You have an addictive personality. exactly. And then I also, you know, in the last eight years, I've experienced, I experienced all of my 20s, basically sober. I'm, I'll be 30 in March. Mm-hmm. And I, like at this point in my life, I don't think alcohol would add anything to my life because I've been able to, you know, walk through all the things sober. So I get sober and I, it's so funny because I even remember my dad when I first got sober saying, well, now that you're sober, maybe you'll actually meet a good guy. huh. <laughs> and... <laughs> This was because, you know, my last year of drinking, I would date guys, but it would be the thing that like, I'd meet a guy at a bar, we would like make out at the bar. And then the next day I'd be like, I met a guy, you know, it was (laughs) like, I had no idea what courting looked like or what a relationship looked like. So, so I get sober and I think, I think it's going to solve all of my problems, especially relationship ones. And it doesn't, I never figured out the, like the, the root of all this stuff. So you're sober now
0: that you're sober and the alcohol is out of the picture. Do you still have the anxiety? Yeah,
1: no, and it's even, it's even worse until I start learning how to take care of it. Like that insecurity is loud. The anxiety is like everything is loud because I learned that like I used alcohol as a coping mechanism for everything. It was like a one size fits all hammer.
0: This episode is brought to you by Elage. Let the healing begin. This miracle emollient helps with dry cracked skin, cracked and callous heels, and even eczema. I've personally been using this formula on my feet since Sue was a guest on my show. Ladies, Elage is truly a miracle formula. Let me tell you, I went on a hike recently and I got a rash from some crazy plants. I put some Elage on the rash and it was gone within 30 minutes. Get yourself some Elage and let the healing begin. The link is in the show notes. So now you're sober and the insecurities, the anxiety, and you meet this new person.
1: Yeah. So I meet. I start dating this new guy, right? Probably I I probably had six days sober. I meet this guy and we get six days. sober. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually no. I don't even meet him. He was someone I knew from back in the day we used to drink together. And he was like probably a month in he was talking about getting married. And at first it was great because I'm like, I'm lonely. I don't have friends because I lost all of my friends through, through this. So I have no friends. I'm lonely. I don't know what I'm doing. So this companionship felt so good, but I'm so grateful because about two months into the relationship, he was starting to talk about getting rid of his apartment. Yeah. Huge red flag. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Moving Ah. too fast.
1: Another red flag. But with my two months of sobriety, thank goodness. Like I had this thing in my gut that was like, this is not a good idea. So I was starting to get this clarity. So, you know, we broke up and then, you know, I dated, a couple other guys and then at about nine months sober, I meet Luke, who we'll get to how this happened, but he is now my husband. But so (laughs) we meet and we start doing this friends with benefits thing. And he doesn't want to commit to me. But I I'll say, I would say, I need a relationship. And he'd say, I can't give you one. And I would say, okay, fine. And then I just (laughs) would stay, you know. So we did this for about nine months. And then finally, like, you know, looking back at my story, I can I can cringe because I'm like, (laughs) I would never do that now. Like I would never chase a person and try to convince them to commit to me. But this is, you know, just how it happened. And so at about nine months in, we do try this relationship. And then a year and a half into all of this, he breaks up with me. Luke was the first relationship I had. Where aside from the commitment issues, like it was healthy. We were so aligned with values. He was sober too. You know, we had these like really thought-provoking conversations. We were both very entrepreneurial. So we would like stay up till two in the morning talking. It was just this really, really beautiful relationship. So then why did he break up with you? Exactly. (laughs) You know, and I have a lot of respect for him now because he broke up with me because he didn't think he ever wanted to get married. And he knew I did. And he'd say, this isn't fair to you. In three years, you're going to ask where the ring is, and I'm not going to be able to give it to you. So like, we might as well kind of cut ties now.
0: Yeah. And how old were you at this time? Let's see, I was 24. Okay, you're still pretty young.
1: I was still young. Yeah. So I was 24. And this had been the third time that I had been dumped in two years, because the guy didn't want to get married. Exact same reason. And I didn't think Oh, this is a pattern. I found out that I found that out later on. But that that breakup with Luke was the one that you mentioned in the intro. It was the one that like I could not stand up. I was like so broken. It was the first serious breakup that I had had sober. All of my normal things that I would do—reach for alcohol, reach for a pill—it just I couldn't. I couldn't do that. So I kind of I was in this position where I had to face this breakup head on. And I also I was in this place. I think you know I had a little over a little over three years sober at this time. And I I actually was at this place where I was like I want to actually like work through this. I want to figure out because this that's when I realized like this is a pattern. I clearly like. I'm not great at picking these relationships. I don't know how to stand up for myself. So I, you know, decide like I'm going to go through this breakup. Were you living alone or did you have a roommate or were you living with your parents at this time? I was living alone. I was still in that same place in downtown Huntington Beach. Even more brutal when you go through a breakup and you're by yourself. Yeah. And friends were like so worried about me that my friend would be like, okay, she's going to stay the night with me tomorrow. And then can you take her to dinner tomorrow and like have her watch a movie at your house? Because they were so concerned about me. So what I did at that point was I called literally everyone in my life that I respected, every woman in my life that I respected, and I asked them, like, what do I do? I was at this place where I was so, it was almost like I was at this other period of getting sober where I was so willing to ask for help, like take direction. So if a woman told me to read a book, I would go buy the book. If she told me to like journal about a certain thing, I would journal about it. Like I, I was a sponge for everything yeah. breakup.
0: I think most people, when they get to that breaking point where you said in your bio, you like you were on your knees, like it's like when you're ready to just surrender like everything that you've ever done for didn't work so now I'm willing to try anything new that's what happened to me like I was with some guy and you know I had decided I was going to be sober I was sober for an entire year because my ex-boyfriend had when I caught him cheating on me he put me in a chokehold yeah cuz I, I was the one in the <laughs> in the wrong because I caught him cheating so yeah, I deserved yeah, it, makes it. Sense. <laughs> but and that moment where I'm being choked out outside of a bar half drunk thinking, I'm smarter than this. Like, why am I in this position? I have a great job. I make really good money. I have a degree, like I'm educated. And yet here I am being choked out by yet I don't know how many number man who has been the narcissist in my life. I'm like, why do I keep getting into these relationships? I did the exact same thing. Like, I got to the place where I was really, really depressed and really, really sad. I mean, I used to, I wasn't, I didn't drink alcohol, but I would take NyQuil to go to sleep in order to just make the day go away. But I also was like, there's something wrong and I'm not doing it right. So I need to figure out how to do it right. You know, like I've been, my picker is broken, so I'm just going to stop picking. So when when you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you've dated, you know, the fuck boys, the losers, the ones that are, you know, using you for your money, the ones that are constantly controlling you, the ones that are telling you you're not good enough, you're too fat, you're too skinny, or they're flirting with all your friends, you know, those guys, we all know the douchebags. If you're single and you're still dating these douchebags maybe it's time to take a second to reevaluate why your picker is
1: broken. Exactly, exactly. And I even, you know, it's, it's so funny now in my course, like when I talk about the picker, like I put it in quotes, because yeah, we have a picker. But I think the the strongest thing that brings us certain people is, you know, I had a mentor tell me like, we attract what we promote. So it's like, what are you promoting? That's bringing, you know, these people into your life. And that's not to say like, if you've been a victim, you know, it's like, I, I know I've been a victim of, a, of an abusive relationship. I wasn't asking for it. It's yeah. just like I was in this place where I was drawn to this person like a magnet. Yeah. So it's like, what, you know, what's the underlying thing that's bringing those kind of people into your life?
0: Exactly. And I've done so much research too, because like you, you were like, okay, now I'm on my knees. I need to get rid of this pain. And for me, I always say, I would never wish on my worst enemy, the pain of a broken heart. Because, you know, for a headache, you can take some Tylenol. You know, if you break your arm, they give you some, you know, painkillers. But like, there was nothing that can take away that anxiety and pain of a heartbreak. So I would never wish it on my worst enemy. But for thinking about like, what is your purpose? Why are you here? I would go down these rabbit holes and like go through like, you know, religion and science and everything. So I studied a lot about, you know, anxiety and stress because. Most of it was your heartbreak is anxiety, stress. It's basically what makes you feel like that. And when I thought about that, like your brainwaves, I also was researching frequencies. And when you're at a high frequency, which is the highest, it's love and joy and gratitude. And the lowest is shame and like guilt and fear. And so when you're at a low frequency, shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, you attract what those people are in that same frequency. So, I mean, not to say that everybody at a bar has fear, shame, and guilt, but most people that are going to the bar are going to calm their mind, like you were using it, which I've done a, again, more research on the brain. When we are in harmony, meaning we are in love, joy, peace, gratitude, our cells are in this harmonic brainwave or something. You know, it's just, it's hard to explain. It's just like this beautiful pattern. But then when we're in anxiety, fear, stress, fight or flight, our pattern is all messed up. So people go for alcohol, they go for drugs, they go for porn, shopping. they go for shopping, they, they pick something, food, and they use it as this is going to calm me down. And I love that you said in the bio that you were looking for the answers and yet nobody on YouTube was really talking about it the answers and the tools
1: and why you feel this way. So how did you start the breakup? Bestie. So I'd say like after the first six months after the breakup, when I was that like sponge, I kind of just was like accidentally putting together this like curriculum. It was like totally by accident. So what kind of books did they make you read? Attached, which is all about attachment theory, which was really interesting to me because I am an anxious attachment style and they tend to attract the avoidant attachment styles. So just learning kind of about that. A lot of books on spirituality. My like favorite book of all time is The Untethered Soul.
0: (gasps) Me too. I love that book. That's like seriously every single time someone asks me because I write down every book that I've ever read. And that's like at the top of my list. The Untethered Soul.
1: My husband actually keeps a stack of them in his car to like give them out to people. He's like, you need to read this book.
0: Oh my God. That's a great idea. I love your husband. Yeah. (laughs)
1: So a lot of those kind of books, a lot of it was journaling. You know, I literally filled like two giant journals throughout this period of just yeah. like. And Get.
0: during this time, you weren't talking to Luke at all.
1: No. And this, that was another thing. And that's why I'm a huge proponent of the no contact rule. If you can, you know, if you have kids, obviously that doesn't work. But I'm a huge proponent of the no contact rule. It was the first time I had done it and the freedom and the ability because the what it kept coming down to is i just had to focus on myself like i didn't need to focus on luke or what he did or what any of my exes did it was like what did like what am i feeling what am i experiencing why do i keep going after these kinds of people so it was almost like i i just got to know myself again i don't think and i think too what happened was like when i went through this breakup with luke i was also consequently going through some past breakups that i never addressed so it was kind of like i had to dig up a bunch of this stuff and and I, you know, am in a support group for, you know, my sobriety. And so a lot of people saw me going through this breakup very publicly where like, I I got to this place where I was like, I don't even care where I cry. I have to cry when I have to cry. So people saw me kind of go through the whole motion of it. And once I was like, clear to this other side... I started having people come to me and be like, hey, so-and-so just went through a breakup. Do you think you could talk to them? And I was kind (laughs) of this like resource that people started utilizing for breakups. because All of a sudden you're the breakup guru. Exactly. So, and then around this same time, so about, I would say about a year after Luke broke up with me, I started dating this new guy and he was on paper. He was great. Like he wasn't afraid to talk about commitment. He wanted to get married. He wanted to have kids. Like there was just no question about it. And so I fell really hard for him because I came from this place of like not being able to be committed to. So to have someone that like wanted to commit.
0: And now you have all these new tools. And so you're thinking this is actually what's supposed to happen. And sometimes like we trick ourselves thinking, oh, like this is, I just figured it all out and this is God blessing me. And here comes all my abundance stuff. And and then you realize, oh, it's not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not. It's like whenever I feel like I think I have all the answers, that's when I need to pause and be like, you do not have all the Mm -hmm. answers. I do not have it all figured out. And that was such a perfect example because I get into this serious relationship with this guy and you know, he's a great guy, but he's just a really crappy boyfriend. He, you know, put everything ahead of the relationship. I had, you know, my best friend's like, I don't like this. This isn't working. But I'm like, no, this has to work. (laughs) This has to work, you know, because he checks all the boxes and does all this stuff. So I'm with him for like seven months. I go back east to meet his family and, you know, Things are looking very serious. And then about a year and a half after Luke and I break up, we get invited to this wedding that I knew Luke was going to be at. It was a mutual friend of ours. I hadn't seen Luke, hadn't talked to Luke. So I go to this wedding. The boyfriend I was with couldn't come. So I went with a friend, go to this wedding, walk right up to him. I'm like, I have to break the ice. It's so awkward. So we like go up, have like a quick chat and I leave the wedding and I have these emotions come up, which is normal. It's like whenever you see an ex, something's going to come up. And then about three weeks later, I get an email from Luke asking if I would be open to getting coffee with him because he had something he needed to tell me. And then in the sobriety culture, there's this thing where you make amends to people that you've harmed. So I thought in my heart of hearts that he was going to make amends to me. And I was like, okay, this is great. I, you know, told my current boyfriend, I'm like, I think he's just going to apologize to me. So I go to coffee and what ends up happening is he has written a four page long love letter to me basically outlining it's a long letter but the cliff notes is he outlines everything that he went through since our breakup he stayed single he had never really been single in his life he did a ton of hiking and went therapy and read books and like did all this self-discovery and then at the end of that realized he did want to get married and he did want to have kids and then when he saw me at the wedding he realized it was supposed to be with me So this is at a Starbucks. I'm crying. I'm (laughs) crying. I'm pissed. Like, I'm like, why are you doing this now? Well, wait, did he make you read the letter first before or like? So he kind of, I mean, he basically spoke everything in the letter before. And then he was like, then you can read this letter. And which it was such a good thing that he wrote that letter because him knowing me, I am so close with my girlfriends. I'm so close with my family. So he knows that like, I'm going to immediately call everyone. (laughs) And I had this letter. I started sending it to people. I'm like, read this letter. Because of course, everyone's like, that guy broke your heart, all this stuff. And so I go on a rep party that weekend. I get home on Sunday. I go break up with the boyfriend. I call Luke. And we got engaged six months later. <gasps> oh, <Yes>. that's amazing. <laughs> so I always tell people like that story is not and I don't talk about it a ton. Like I don't talk about it on Instagram because it does it needs more than a 15 second clip because the moral of the story is not that. If you do the no contact rule, if you, you know, if you make your ex miss you, they'll want you back. That's not it at all. I never thought I would have Luke back in my life. I never thought I'd see him again. And the point was, I went through the breakup. I learned how to live my life without him. I worked solely on me because we both needed that time apart to like grow and work on ourselves. And I think if you do all those things, the universe will reward you in a really beautiful way. Mine just happened to be that Luke came back into my life. But if that hadn't happened, I'm fully confident I would have been with, you know, my soulmate, soulmate. Yeah. like the person that I'm meant to be with, you know.
0: Absolutely. So there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> First, I am a huge proponent of the no contact rule. I am the biggest person that as soon as we break up, you are blocked. You are dead to me. (laughs) I have never seen or spoken of you for the like at we're done. And, you know, I have women that I mentor and I have clients and, you know, some of them are in toxic relationships. And I tell them once they figured out like, okay, this isn't working out for me. Okay, that's it. Don't call him anymore. Delete his phone number, delete him from social media, block him. He can't even email you because I do believe that if you leave that crack open, especially for toxic men, the douchebags, the fuckboys, they will come back and they will manipulate you and they will use you and they will leave you on a string hanging for a piece of crumb off the floor when you really deserve the steak dinner at the table. So, and you don't get to really work on yourself. The reason why it's so important for you to take that time to really have a self-discovery, like, why is my picker broken? Why do I have this anxiety? Why do I feel like I'm not good enough? Why do I tell myself that same broken record? Where does this all come from? Where does it stem from? When you really stop and analyze yourself and then figure out all the skeletons in your closet figure out why, you know, this might have happened to you and then pour love into yourself and then truly learn how to love yourself. Like for me, after that horrific breakup, before I met my husband, I spent an entire year sober. I read a ton of books. I watched Oprah religiously. I was at church three times a week. I was just trying to figure out my purpose here in the world. Like, what is my purpose? Why did I get a chance to breathe air? And so here I am, I'm trying to figure it all out, going down these rabbit holes of research and stuff. And I felt this new sense of like love. I love for myself where I was okay being alone. I was okay having dinner by myself. I was okay going to the movies by myself. Like I literally would go to the movies by myself. I was okay just being me and I had this new sense of confidence and my husband Travis always says there was something about you that beamed from the inside and people don't understand that like going back to what I was talking about earlier in that podcast about frequencies when you're in a vibrating in a low frequency with shame guilt sadness, depression, fear, stress, anxiety, you're going to vibrate that energy signal out and you're going to meet the same type of broken men with that same type of like energy. But when you vibrate at a higher frequency of love, joy, grace, gratitude, peace, you're going to attract those people. So now you've spent that time really learning self-development, loving yourself and having clarity And Luke was doing the exact same thing. So you guys were both vibrating at the same frequency. So when you guys saw each other, it was like, bam, this is what I'm supposed to, this is the reality of like where I'm supposed to be and who I'm supposed to be with. Now, this was an amazing story. It should be a Hallmark movie for sure. But I want whoever is listening, don't force it. Absolutely do not force it because we get to the point, like we talked about earlier, where we think, oh my God, this is it. This is my hallmark moment. This is the guy who comes and rescues us. And we have been conditioned by marketing, by movies, by Disney, that there's this Prince Charming who's gonna come and save you. And I want every woman who is listening to this podcast to understand the only person that can save you is yourself. And until you do the work, like really do the work, you will shine from the inside out and that's when you will attract the man that is meant to be
1: for you. Don't need to find a missing puzzle piece. You're a complete puzzle. You want to be a whole and complete person and then find a whole and complete person. And then you guys can come together in this like true partnership. And I had to go out and become my own puzzle. And I always, I also always tell people like, I realized that in terms of Luke and I's story, like we are 100% the exception to the rule. I know for a fact that if I had waited around for him, we would not be together because I would be in this very low, desperate place for a long period of time instead of going out and you know, finding myself again. And I also like to tell people there's actually, there's, I'm forgetting his actual name on Instagram. It's the angry therapist. (laughs) Really, He's great. He's great. But he talks, he has this quote and it says like, we get very few times in our life where we get to completely shake up our etch-a-sketch, you know, those like etch-a-sketch where you just shake it and you get to start fresh. For me, I got to experience this when I got sober and then with the breakups, but I don't think we get a ton of experiences in our lives where we're in so much pain. We're so low that we're like willing to do all of these amazing things for ourselves. Because yeah. when life's going good, it's not when you want to like journal and pick up all these new habits. It's like, you're like, I'm good. Why would I want to do anything yeah. extra? I don't need a journal. I don't need to meditate. Yeah. What are you talking about? So we don't get a lot of experiences to do that. And you touched on this. It's like, The reason the no contact rule and having clean breakups is so important because that is such a great opportunity, but you're not going to be able to take advantage of that opportunity because if you have that door open, all you're going to be doing is like okay, well, I'm going to go work out because I want to look good. So he'll want me back instead of like, I want to go work out so I can feel like a badass and get super strong for me and like do it for my mental health. You're going to do everything for your ex to get them back. So instead, like close that door and start moving forward. And I always tell people like, focus every ounce of energy that you have on yourself because that's where you need it. Like you're already going to be so emotionally exhausted after a breakup. You need all the energy that you can get. So like focus on you. And that's really like the focus of, you know, breakup bestie and kind of getting back to like how I started it. It was actually my husband that was like, what do you like to do? You know, I had been like an entrepreneur since I was 20, you know, went through some different projects and finally I was at this job I hated and, and Luke said, what do you like to do? And I was like, I really like helping women with their breakups because I had all these women coming to me in my like social circle to help. And he said, okay, what does that look like? And so I went online and looked at like how to get over a breakup. And all of it was how to get over your ex in 28 days. Spoiler alert, you can't get over your ex in Never. 28 days. <laughs> um, how to get your ex back. Like how to make him want you. All this like really clickbait gimmicky stuff. I'm sure they sell a lot of stuff because I would have bought it's that all at Oliver one point.
0: over Cosmo magazines. And it's all just, for me, that's not how it works. If you're playing a game to get your, the person to love you, then you're not going to win because you've played a game, meaning you've manipulated this person into loving you. Not
1: to mention like have probably hidden major parts of yourself in order to like play that game. So all I saw online was games and I thought "I there's a better way to do this. Like there needs to be a guidebook on how to go through a breakup, but like it can't look like that. So I was super nervous. I, I So I started my Instagram completely anonymously, like didn't tell anyone that I was doing it. And people loved it. And it started growing really quickly. And I'm like, okay, this is a thing. Like people need help with this. And, you know, then I launched a blog about six months into that, which was like right before I got married. And then I launched... My full online course in January of this year. And then I launched my podcast in April of this year. So it's kind of, it's, you know, it's evolved as like a side hustle and now it's become more full time. And and it's on, it's just, it's been amazing. I, I can't, like, I've learned more in doing this than I have with like any other business or job that I've ever had. Like I get to talk to these women and hear what they're going through. And I learned so much about myself because, you know, when you're giving someone advice, you're like, I should probably listen to this sometimes too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Are you just, there's so much that we as a society don't talk about. And we don't talk about like the pain, the real pain of being broken up with and all the things that it comes with, you know, like the feeling of being not good enough. Especially when you're broken up with, if you're the person that just got dumped, you have all these new insecurities starting to heighten. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not fat enough. You're not blonde enough. You're not brunette enough. You don't have colored eyes. You're not tall enough. Your boobs aren't big enough. You're, you know, we start going through this dialogue in our head. And when we don't talk about it, then we just suffer in silence. And like, you know, we reach for things that we shouldn't be reaching for, like drugs, alcohol you know, other things. So I love that you started this, like, seriously, ladies, I want you to truly, truly look her up. Her Instagram is amazing. I recently started following you. And I really love how honest and authentic and just like straight to the point. And you really are giving these women and men tactical advice. Like this is like what you should be doing. Not like the BS that's on Cosmo magazine.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was the whole goal of it is like, I want people to walk away with like, Literally like a to do list of things to do to like start moving forward and let go of their ex and, you know, it's so funny because I I think with most of us like I had this imposter syndrome of first starting it like I'm not a therapist I'm not a psychologist I'm not all these things and then I'm like honestly I think my because all I do is I speak from my experience mm-hmm. I speak from my experience what I've learned and it so it does it comes off as very authentic it's like I'm just showing you what I did and this was what worked for me mm-hmm. and you know you can take it or leave it but you know this is what's worked and. I think it's become really positive And I think people can see that, like, I'm just speaking from my heart and wanting to help people.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, as we wrap up this episode, what would you say to the women who are listening, or even the men who are listening, who've
1: just recently been through a breakup? What would be your nugget of wisdom? So this is something that my mom used to say to me all growing up whenever anything bad happened. But just to say that whatever you're going through is going to be a blessing in disguise. Like no matter what, you might not be able to see it tomorrow. You might not be able to see it in six months, but I promise that at some point you're going to look back and say, I'm so grateful that relationship ended. I'm so glad that this person hurt me because it caused me to grow this way. And you know, you heard my story. So many bad things have happened, but they all had like way more beautiful things come out of it than anything. And so just remember, this is going to be a blessing in disguise. And I also always say this too shall pass. It's like my favorite thing. This too shall pass.
0: Yes. If we know anything, everything passes, everything moves forward. And yes, I love that. This is a blessing in disguise. I always say, I'm so thankful for God's unanswered prayers.
1: Oh, yes. Or like, what's the other one? I have it in my bathroom. Things don't always go as planned. Thank God. Yeah, you Yeah, know?
0: absolutely. Sometimes I look at my ex-boyfriends because I run into them at in places and I'm like, thank the yeah. Lord Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Kendra, how can my audience find you? Yeah. So
1: the best way to connect with me would be on Instagram. It's at your breakup bestie. And then my podcast is called Heal Your Heartbreak. So we go over breakup topics every week. And then you can also connect with me on my website, learn more about my courses at BreakupBestie.com.
0: Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you love this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. You can find me on the internet at FearlessFemale.com, on Facebook, The Fearless Female Movement, on Instagram at fearlessfemalepodcast, Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And ladies... Remember, we have the power to rise and face everything. Until next week, goodbye.